Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Down the bitch gang. Yikes. Five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard. Couple scars. Wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's probably have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor Live. I'm your host, Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan with me, Brady Hawk. You can follow him on Twitter at BradyHawk305 and Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. We have Manny Chang on the ones and twos here. Uh, tonight's floor plan, we're going to dive into game two. Um, the Heat obviously do not go up and get both games because we got to get greedy, y'all. Uh, but they came close. 111-105 was the final score up in New York. They lost game two. Lot to unpack. Um, the comments on this live show are really, really fun and robust at the moment. So that's going to be a fun thing that we're going to have to weave in here uh, as we as we go forward. But before we dive into any of that, we need to shout out the lead sponsor for our post game shows. And that is a aggressive insurance. A aggressive insurance is a insurance broker agency. That's been servicing all of South Florida for over 15 years, offering auto insurance, homeowners, condo life insurance, even retirement programs, free notary service to all clients. They represent the leading insurance carriers in all of South Florida. So if you have a bad driving record, no problem. No driver is refused. Call 954-581-8800. Again, that's 954-581-8800. A aggressive insurance, or go to insurance by Lynette.com and insurance by lynette.com a aggressive insurance you see it that's where you need to go for all your insurance needs okay fellas that was um that was rough because there were moments there late in the fourth they had they came close this is where i'm starting and i don't care where anyone else wants us to start this is where i'm starting the show scott foster is unacceptable some of those calls, the, the, the foul, um, where, uh, they, they basically said that he, he had already released the shot in the corner there. I think it was Brunson who was taking the three at the time. That was completely ridiculous. There were a couple other calls that were just upside down. I felt like the heat came out on the wrong end of that, but I don't want to necessarily make it about that because they had the chance to impact the game. And, um, they just didn't quite have enough. There's a there's something sticking out in the sort sticking out like a sore thumb in our comments. So uh, if either of you want to talk about the refs, please do. But I'm going to start here with just a few. Bam played like Butler in here, or were um, oh that was not the right comment I wanted to read. Uh, it, it's basically a lot of Bam out of bio frustration. Alex Brady, whoever wants to take it. 
talk about Bam Adebayo's game tonight. Well, I think when you look at the, the, the blueprint of this game and you said to yourself, has to be Bam Adebayo and shooters. That was pretty much what anybody would have said. Uh, and they got shooters to a degree, but they didn't get a lot of Bam Adebayo as a scorer, I think, that anyone wanted to see. Uh, and the question, I think the bigger part to me, and I know we've had this talk all the time, and we used to – I remember specifically I would go on zoom calls every time and I'd tweet out when Bam would say, I need to be more aggressive. And that would just get a ton of quote tweets because everybody loved hearing that after every game, but they needed more than 10 shots tonight. They just did like in a game like this. It felt like uh, when a team is getting blitzed out of their mind, it felt like out of these, every pick and roll and a team that just uh, does not have Jimmy or Tyler, they needed him to be, I guess, more of an inside hub and he was a hub, but he wasn't a hub as a scorer. And that was kind of the issue. And that was kind of problematic. Uh, and I said down the stretch, like you said, it's not all on the the kind of the bad calls, but like they put themselves in position to not need a closer almost. And what I mean by that is they had that six point lead cushion. All of a sudden there's that quick turn. Now it's a four point play goes in the other, other direction. Like they kept putting themselves in position to keep it in a certain direction and it would just turn. And it's like this team tonight does not have the facilities to like be in that closing position because as much as we talk about not having Jimmy, Tyler has been that closer as well. Tyler has been the guy to put that on himself to make those plays. And is yes, Bam's your second best player, your, your franchise player. He should be able to close games too, but it's just a different type of go-to guy. Like it's just, it's a different scenario that he's not, that is not what you're going to go to late in the game. Uh, but look, as much as this is, we're going to talk about the negative part. I know we're going to kind of go into the other stuff later, but like they put themselves in a position when that playing when the ball went off the rim and Gabe got that rebound to put it back up. It was about to be a one point game. And that is a totally different game. It swings down the, the court three pointer. Now it's a four point game. Like that stuff's just, it's just hard to overlook. Like they, it felt like this team when they were shorthanded kept putting themselves in a decent position, but they just couldn't make that breakthrough, I guess, under six minutes to go because things just kept not falling their way. So as much as you, I know you asked me about BAM, but if there was one thing that stood out to me about BAM, it's just that even when other guys have it going like Gabe, like Max, like Caleb, you still cannot have only 10 shot attempts. Yeah, I thought that that was the thing. If we're going to be critical of Bam, it's of the field goal attempts. Um, he was at uh, his number on prize picks. Use the code 5FIVE to get your initial deposit matched. He was at 13 and a half field goal attempts is what you told me you got, Brady Hawk, right? Um, and it, it went up to 15 and a half when they, and then Jimmy was out. <laughs> it jumped up to 15 and a half just to show you what the market was on Bam, on Bam Adebayo field goal attempts. He had 10 field goal attempts. He did have seven free throw attempts, made five of them, did some other stuff, had a decent enough floor game. Alex, you pointed out during playback that he was having to catch so much higher up and they're playing him so much higher up. The Knicks are, um, what can they do to combat that? Like how can they get Bam downhill more, uh, they didn't do him many favors tonight. Obviously, I think that this was all with an eye towards Jimmy being back. So this may be an isolated scenario that I don't think we should overreact nor overcorrect, overcorrect towards. But um, what could they have done differently to try to get Bam going? Or is this more about him kind of taking the reins and being aggressive? Because um, I, I think that there is some schematic elements to this. I think it's a little bit of both. And and I'm going to try not to sound like a broken record when it comes to BAM because there's there's some nuance to this. So this is obviously a different dynamic than the way that he was defended in the Bucks series. We talked about this on Playback. Of course, check us out there every game, playback.tv slash 5RSN. 
we were there all game again. It's a good time with everybody, you know, through the ups and the downs, all that. Anyways, the BAM thing is 50-50 to me. It's two sides. I think I always come off as defensive to everybody who wants to blame BAM for everything because I think it's a little bit unfair. He needs to be better. He needs to get off more shots. All of that I agree with. However, the Knicks packed the hell out of the paint, and the Knicks are playing him high up. So if he's seeing the multiple bodies on the floor, I think that's kind of how you end up with these 10 field goal attempt games, six assists, one turnover games. Bam is never going to look as himself as the first scoring option. That's kind of where I think the problem lies. I think it's been kind of a a, a running thing for years now because they don't necessarily empower, empower him consistently as a scorer. They have to put him in positions where he can get downhill because since we can all acknowledge that Bam Adebayo is not on the same level offensively as a scorer as Jimmy Butler, you've got to make it easier for him, especially, and I think specifically when Jimmy is out in the playoff game. I think you've got to make it easier for him because we know that he's not going to be able to come up with one-on-one looks anymore. Like He is not that guy. If we can all agree that he is not that guy in the comments, if everybody is hating on him, then what is the hesitancy in making it easier for him. I think you have to, like, there was one play, I think there was once or twice where they had Max or another um, screen for him low, and I loved it. I went crazy on playback because I think that's an easier way to get him downhill, especially when you have the big playing a little bit higher up. You still run a low screen, and you try to get him going downhill, try to scramble defense, pass, pass, pass from there because they're going to pack the hell out of the paint. Other than that, you know, you saw a cross screen late in the game where they were trying to get him with kind of mid-post, high-post position where he can get into his face-up game. I didn't see nearly enough of that. That's his game. That's where he can get to his buckets. We know that he loves that mid-range shot, but it can't. everything can't be one-on-one contested mid-range shots. So that's that's my, that's my been my thing with Bam for years. I, th- I think, especially in a game without Jimmy, you have to find easier looks for him. So, yes, Bam has to make himself more available. He has to actually try to drive past dudes and collapse the defense more. That's where I'm kind of... I think you really needed to see more from him there. But because of his deficiencies, because of him never being that guy as a scorer, because of the way that he's averaged 20 to 21 for the past few years with mostly looks that are fed to him, make it easier on him. Just because Jimmy is out, he's not going to just walk into 30 points a game. We know he's not that guy. And I mean that in the most positive way. Bam is an incredible player. He is not that guy as a scorer. Make it easier for him. That's that's where I stand. I think you make a compelling point. Um, and I also think we should acknowledge this. And Brady, I'll come back to you here is that the Knicks, I mean, they shot 40% from three, 45% from the field. And basically their best three guys, RJ Barrett, who I've been really tough on. He was eight of 17. Julius Randle came back and was eight of 18. And then Brunson, you know, he got in his bag tonight for sure. So like their best, I think that this is probably from an offensive perspective, as close to what New York is trying to do as we're going to see. Yet the Heat were still in the game, but I do have to acknowledge that the the Knicks showed up. Brady, what what could they have done differently with Jalen Brunson? I mean, you're you're limited in that Caleb is just like having to be – I was calling him Caleb Jordan during playback because he's like doing layup packages like he's Michael Jordan, but also the two-way stuff. And he had a good game tonight, eight rebounds. I mean, he played really, really strong stuff, you know, really strong minutes. But is there anything they could have done differently to try to just get him out of his comfort zone? Jalen Brunson was just better from three – 
what, what what's your thoughts on on how they could have defended him differently? Yeah, I think it's definitely the fact that it's a different game than game one when you add Julius Randle into the fold. Like you saw what they had to do to him early. Like they didn't waste any time. Like he got like a quick uh, baseline entry and they just sent doubles at him constantly. Like they were setting a tone of what they wanted to do. And it worked at that point because it was like it was RJ and, and Randall at half. Like it was just them two. Brunson did not have it going third quarters when he got it going. And I think that's when things get weird because it wasn't like some of the stuff Brunson was doing, actually a lot of the stuff he was doing was off the catch. Like it was like kind of as a secondary creator. It was like Randall creates and then swing past the opposite side and then Brunson creates or a catch shoot shot. So it's like uh, a different type of, of thing. And I thought maybe at times, I thought they played a pretty good defensive game. It felt like for mostly through, like they did their job, but some of the rotations were a little off at certain points. Like even like the one play we keep talking about with the, the officiating, but the, the, when Bam went through the, that screen by Hardenstein, it's like we keep talking about why like that part of the play, but how about before that happened? Like, where was that rotation at completely? You cannot botch that at that point in the game. So it's like, uh, those are the plays I think that stand out more. So it wasn't even the one-on-one stuff. I thought they did a decent job with kind of containing those type of guys. And then RJ, as I've said before, as I said before the series, Spolstra makes it clear that he's like, RJ Barrett, go beat us. Like he's he puts him in a position for the last two years to go out there and beat. They'll put the Gabe on him. They'll say that work everything through RJ Barrett because we don't want to have to deal with with Randall making those plays and shot creation or or Brunson getting to his spots. So I'd expect that to keep happening. I'd expect probably hot starts from Barrett. But even the, with that, it's weird to me how he kind of fades throughout the game slow, like a little bit. Like it's like you'll see less of him go into that. They go through it early, uh, but defensively, I thought. That was kind of the main thing. They cannot have that. And I think things look differently with Jimmy because as much as we talk about what Jimmy can do as an offensive player, obviously, defensively when he hits passing lanes or when he's guarding Brunson, but the most underrated part of his game is the stuff that he does defensively off ball where he's helping at the nail, where he's shedding over, and then he can remember in game one where he jumps from the free throw line and gets a block to start the game. Like those little plays, he's very good in that help range. So I think that I thought they missed that tonight because – Highsmith jumps into the rotation. Highsmith's more, way more on ball than anything. They need that that off ball anchor, and that's what Jimmy is. So I thought that was kind of the thing they miss most. Yeah, no, you're so true. Like, and I was texting with uh, Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heat beat, and he was saying that essentially how much the defense had to suffer, and and, and basically um, Jimmy is is such a key element of that. And we always say Bam is the backbone, but Jimmy also has such a key element particularly in playoff series where he can then take a turnover and grind it into offense and stuff like that. I just thought that that was absolutely missed. Uh, The Knicks played well. Isaiah Hartenstein is annoying. I will say that as a Heat fan, as now I've watched him in two games. Uh, But he did show up on the offensive glass, uh, particularly in the second half. So there's things that they can clean up. I think we, what I want to focus on as we go forward in this episode is what they can take from this game because there's not all negative. I think that there's a, a couple positive trends that we can look into. Um, and then obviously we're going to start to game plan for Jimmy being back. So this is going to be more about game two. Uh, and then we, we will uh, react to a few comments. But before we do, I'm uh, going to tell you about a great sponsor of ours, and that is uh, Prize Picks. Y'all know it, it's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. You use the code five to get your initial deposit matched up to $100. This is daily fantasy simplified in that you pick your favorite players, pick your favorite teams, and uh, you can choose the stats that you like to uh, 
watch, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, or if you're doing, uh, you know, football, it can be touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards. Uh, you know, it's super fun. You can mix sports, do flex plays, power plays, win up to 10 times your money, but you got to use the code five F I V E to get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. Again, prize picks is our official daily fantasy partner, but our official gambling partner is also better edge. You got to go try this. This is a web-based web-based platform, better edge. It's basically the stock exchange for sports betting. It's, it's betting positions without a VIG. Instead of a traditional sports book where the book sets the price and accepts your bet, takes fees and pays out winnings, Better Edge Marketplace connects users on opposite sides of the bet and at their own set prices. So you really get value. Use the code 5RSN and you can start with 20 bucks in your bank to start playing today. 5RSN is the code. That's Better Edge. Check that out, y'all. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Um, so what positives are we taking into game three? Is there anything in game two we didn't discuss? I thought as I now as I'm roaming around Zone. here mentally, Kyle Lowry wasn't good enough. And we're gonna definitely take some comments. Heat and five from Javier. Shout out to you because I'm I'm trending in your direction. Uh Kyle Lowry wasn't good enough. You needed a good Kyle Lowry game. You didn't quite get one. What else did stuck out to y'all that they that you think that they could have done differently? Um, in this game or who who could have played better I, I, mean, I mean I felt like Max showed up Alex is there anybody particularly that stuck out to you um, it was a gritty effort I, I I know that fans are disappointed ultimately and I feel a bit cheated by the way the referees handled the, the game late but all things considered I'm okay going back 1-1 uh, do either of you have any other gripes to bear with anything in game two that you need to get off your chest now is the time I think one, um, 
that we haven't talked about yet that was just a huge part of this game was the deployment of the zone. Oh, my now, gosh. I, I need to confirm this first. Brady, did they ever get out of the zone after they went to it? Oh, that is a good question. I don't – not I, much, I don't at think least. I did. I don't think I saw them do it. Yeah. Not much. That's why it was weird. Like, even on that one play, it was like, <laughs> where, did, where did that bottom defender get lost at? I think uh, – was it Kyle on that play? I'm not even sure. That's why there was – The one that ended up with Brunson hitting the three and the whole right. bam foul and all that. I mentioned on playback, and I'm so glad you brought that up, by the way. I, I was getting really annoyed on playback because that was the second straight three that Brunson got wide mm -hmm. open because at one point in the sequence defensively, they had went out and contested or got Josh like Hart. gotten close to close out on Josh Hart. Yeah. And I was yelling wow. <laughs> on playback because I'm like, yeah. let that man shoot. And he shot it, you know, relatively well tonight for his standards. He shot two or four. You know, that's good if you're a Knicks fan. But in general, both of those plays ended up with Brunson taking a wide open three. And that was kind of where I got annoyed with them because I thought otherwise they really executed well out of the zone defensively. I think it's a similar game plan to what they were doing, just completely different execution where it, it's, it's the same thing as far as like you're trying to wall off the paint. You're trying to make them, you know, take contested middies and kind of, you you know, you're conceding the threes from their mid to non shooters. And I think it's a, you know, I, I understand why Spo did it, but he held it and kept it going for so long. I thought that was really bold by him. Um, not a huge fan of that. I see. I like the way it worked for most of the game, but I, I think the, those couple of breakdowns were, you know, a split second decision where a Duncan Robinson is going to close out on Josh Hart, makes the guy next to him recover, and then that's how Brunson ends up wide open on a three. It happened two times in a row. I'm. I, I don't think we're going to see you know three straight quarters of zone again if Jimmy's back. And I, I do think you really miss him um, in so many ways tonight. It's obvious to anybody who watches the Heat. But, you know, when you go and look at the shot chart, like things were so even. The half-court offensive rating was almost even. Um, the Heat only made one more three. Tonight was a night where you needed it to be like kind of game one where you finished with six more threes than the Knicks, even though you didn't necessarily shoot at a high percentage. Finishing one, uh, one more is not good enough on a night where you're missing Jimmy and Tyler. And, you know, they have everybody. From the mid-range, the Heat shot terrible. And that's usually somewhere – that they do pretty well. And the Knicks did really good. The, the Knicks shot really well from uh, the mid-range tonight. And I think that was just them, you know, making shots that they don't mind taking. Even if um, the Heat are willing to uh, give them up in the zone, they did a pretty good job there. And the Heat ended up with seven more made field goals at the rim than the Knicks. So, again, I feel like they kind of got the shots that they wanted the Knicks to take out of the zone for the most part. A couple of breakdowns at the end, a couple of bad calls from Scott Foster. And there's the game. And that missed wide open Kevin Love three. I think that would have been the one uh, uh, for them such to a really momentum stay in that shift game. Had it gone in. And the, the out rebounding, Brady, like 50 to By 34. 16. That's, a, that's a huge number. We that can't run from the that. Zone. That, is, I, that is partly the fault of the zone. Like, you can't expect Bam to box everybody out. Like, the, the whole point of zone is you're, you're covering a zone of, of, of ground. You're Correct. not covering one man. A specific person, yes. So I, I think people get frustrated seeing the rebounds and, and Bam's low rebound count. It's like zone is a complete team coverage, man, and you can't box out one guy. It's it's That's the things you concede, offensive rebounds and threes. We just got a uh, 499 don donation from Anand P. So I want to read this. It says, I hate to be that guy, but it seems our offense is way – Better without Tyler. Ball isn't sticking. Moving forward, everyone's involved. 
Any truth to that, Brady? You feel like the offenses look better? I feel like sometimes this three-point shooting variance <laughs> can make everything look better. And I, I don't know if that's more where I attribute it, but what's your take? My take is they could have used him tonight. <laughs> they could have very much yes. so used Tyler Euro tonight. And I thought about this before the game, and I was thinking to myself, like, if Jimmy was out, and I was like, in this scenario – where you need like that alpha guy in the guard and Gabe was Gabe and Caleb were actually ended up being these alpha guys anyway, but they needed like that type of guy. And then you get into game two and I'm looking at this game down the stretch and I'm like, man, they could have used Tyler right here where just to kind of create some decent offense down the stretch, get them out of that grind. That was what they were in. It was like, you knew what they were going to get to. It was either a bam mid post touch into a handoff or a pick and roll of some kind. It's just like, the Knicks knew what they, if we knew what they were going to do, the Knicks knew what they were going to do because there was just so much to what they were doing. Like there was almost, there was so much of Caleb slashing that was going to get them by. There was only so much of Gabe's high level yeah. shot making that was going to get them by and credit to those guys. Cause I don't think we've mentioned that enough because they really did play well. The fact that what Gabe is doing right now is incredible. The shot making that he's been kind of carrying the offense in that way has been huge. Caleb, I thought, replicated the rim pressure from Jimmy really well. Like, he totally put that on his back fully. Uh, and Max had a good game. I think he was 4 or 5 from 2, and he was 7 of 12 total. Like, he had a pretty good game as well. So you have those three guys kind of carry the load in that way. But to answer the original question, I guess, it's more so talking about with Jimmy. I don't know. I feel like you add him into the fold of, the like, even those slots yeah. where he's not in, he takes over those shots. It's maybe it takes a little pressure off him in that way. Then you slide him off ball and the three-point shooting already is looking good. You add probably your – that was your best three-point shooter in the regular season, off ball or on ball. So, uh, I don't know. That feels like a – that feels like a, a five-on-the-floor off-season <laughs> topic that we're going to probably throw out there just for one of those days. That's what that feels like. True. But, Absolutely. Uh, but in terms of this game, I will say, you mentioned the rebounding before, and it was weird because – it's like they get out-rebounded by 16, but they didn't even get killed in the offensive glass that much. Like, it wasn't even like, I think it was, what is it, 8 to 11? So it was it was not even like that crazy of a deficit there. But I will say the one play from this game that I thought flipped everything was the longest possession of all time in which they just kept getting offensive rebounds and fouls yeah. on rebounds. And it went over and over. And that was the moment. That was the demoralizing moment that, that killed all momentum that they possibly had. It was like... It was they was wild. Like how many times did they just keep getting a new opportunity? And they kept they could not capitalize either. And that's when the momentum shifter could have been. It's like off of finally after another miss, they go down the other direction. But then finally they capitalize. So I don't know that. Yeah, it was a, it was at least five possessions. That was at least <laughs> I think it might have been more. Uh, but yeah, I think to your point earlier, I think they needed a little bit more. It's funny because we talked game one. It was all about Kyle and Kevin Love. And I thought they could have used a little bit more from both of them tonight. If we were to kind of Absolutely. pinpoint two other players other than Bam that we already talked about, they could have used a little bit more from both of them. And if, if love doesn't shoot 25% from three, if I thought Kyle was at least getting them in a decent offense down the stretch, better than what they would have gotten otherwise. But like I said, Kyle forcing those floaters, forcing those passes to Bam is still, it's just not a closer at this point in the game. Like when another team just has two guys that can do that, what they were doing on the other end. I expected more from Kyle, more pull-ups, just more general being involved in the offense, either with assists or points, one of the two. Um, Julian, thank you. Julian Gonzalez, thank you for the donation as well, $4.99. We appreciate uh, all of the super chats that come through. I also, uh, before we close, want to mention that Max Struess looked like he hit his tailbone, so that's something we need to watch here with this break. He came back and played. Um, and then Caleb Martin, 
took a spill into the bench late in that game. And it was hard to see it as the broadcast went. And so I just want to acknowledge that I think we also need to watch Caleb Martin just in terms of how he feels. The good news is he, they have some days off here. So um, this was kind of the plan with Jimmy, but I think some of these other guys are going to be able to benefit from that. This was the Knicks, uh, their best three players playing as good as they can play. The three-point shooting was a complete, 180 from the from the last game and this is what happens and it's a dog fight of a series but you got your split you gain back home court uh so ultimately it was house money in game two regardless of the expectations that had shifted no jimmy butler all things considered i'm still feeling good about the series do either of you gentlemen feel different did anything about tonight make you lose any amount of guts alex I was going to say I watched Jimmy on that sideline at the end of that game. I watched him sitting there just nodding, smiling, waving to the fans in the arena. And if any fan that was watching that game walks away from that game feeling bad about this series, like I'm not saying this series is wrapped up in any way. It's 1-1. They have to take care of home court advantage. But in terms of a decent feeling, I think you're feeling good about Jimmy providing that energy. If like Jimmy's – kind of getting in that mode where now he's taking things personally when he starts adding chips to his shoulder, when he puts that chip on his shoulder and just keeps adding them and adding them and adding them, you start feeling a little feeling better about it. And if now he needs to take care of home court advantage and then those fans that he was just waving to in the garden, he has a chance to wave goodbye to them completely in game five. If he does his job at home. So that's going to be the interesting part, but Jimmy providing that energy has to make people feel good because watch it. And I think the other part of this too, is Jimmy watched this team, and we can say what we want about Bam and certain guy or Kyle not playing up to the level. He watched this team go out there and absolutely fight. Like m- most people did not even one bit give them a chance in this game. No. And a lot of those guys went out there and just really just absolutely fought to the end of it. So it's like Jimmy seeing that, like I, I think he's going to go out there and-, and do some of the things he obviously did in that first round. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And also, I mean, the line extended to on Better Edge, I saw it, it closed at 10 and a half that the Heat were underdogs tonight, 10 and a half point underdogs. And so just to put it in perspective again, on the road, 105, 111, uh, per Eric Reed in his uh, recent uh, guest appearance on Five on the Floor with Alex and Ethan, this is now the second time that the New York Knicks have scored 100 on the Miami Heat in the playoffs. Uh, Thank you to Insurance by Lynette, A Aggressive Insurance, Go to insurancebylanette.com, excuse me, prizepicks.com, use the code 5, better edge, 5RSN is the code there for 20 bucks to play. Thank you for joining us. We'll have you covered all throughout the rest of the week leading into game three. Good night. Thank you for listening to the 5 on the Floor on the 5 Regional Sports Network.